Good morning. We're in the middle of a series called Everyday Faith. For those of you who may be here for the first time, what we're talking about is how you can share your faith every day where you live and where you work. God has put a message in you and in your heart, and this whole series is about giving you the confidence and the strength that you need to be able to share your faith and be able to talk about the reason that you have hope. And so in this series, we're encouraging you to think about your stories and to give you the confidence to share those stories and to look at the people where you are and to think about uh, what they need and how you can be real with them and share your life with them. And as a part of this, we've been telling stories, and you're going to hear a story here in a minute. All this is available on the church website. You can go download materials. We'll hope you'll take full advantage of that. So as we get started this morning, what I want to do is I want to refer to a couple passages of Scripture that undergird the message today. So this is something Jesus was concerned about. And in Mark's Gospel, uh, chapter 12, verse 38, we find these words. It says that Jesus was teaching... And he gave this warning. He said, watch out for the teachers of the law. Uh, they like to walk around in flowing robes, and they love to be greeted in the marketplaces. And to have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. They take advantage, in other words, of those who are living in a not good place. And they make a show for themselves, a show for others out of lengthy prayers. And then Jesus says these words, these men will be punished most severely. There's another occasion in the Gospel of Luke where he's talking again about the differences between humility and uh, false pride and how we present ourselves, and he uses another example. In this example, in verse 9 of chapter 18, he says that there were some who were really confident of their righteousness, and these individuals looked down on everyone else. And so Jesus told this parable. There were these two men, they went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, meaning religious person. And the other tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector then stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, would you just have mercy on me? You know, my life, I don't have it all together. I, I'm a wreck. I'm falling apart. Things are not good. I'm on the verge of losing everything. I'm a sinner. And then Jesus adds this comment. He's talking about the difference between sort of this self-righteous pride and this level of humility and honesty, transparency. And we see here Jesus valuing honesty, transparency, and not pretending. 
He said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves, lift themselves up, put on a show, pretend fake, will be humbled. But those who humble themselves will be lifted up and exalted. Now, there was another occasion when uh, Jesus was preaching. It was the Sermon on the Mount. It's on this same theme about uh, being real uh, and pretending. And he's talking about when you pray, when you give, when you fast. And there he says that when you pray, you, you know, don't, don't pray in a way so that other people can hear you and it brings attention to yourself. You know, when you give, don't give in order to impress other people. You know, when you fast, don't put on sackcloth, don't put ashes on yourself and walk around so that everybody knows that you're being holy. He said if you, if you do that, you're, you're not really motivated by the right things. It's, you're motivated by impressing others. And he's saying, that doesn't impress me. And he adds this interesting word I'll talk about in a minute. He said, when you, he said, so when you pray, you fast, and you give, don't do as the hypocrites do. So, so put all that together and, and see what he's talking about here. He's talking, he's talking about religious people who walk around and wear their titles and wear their robes and, um, you know, have their fish sticker on their car. have their Bible on their desk, but then berate their employees at work. And he talks about the self-righteous person who compares himself to others and thinks, I must be good with God because I'm not like that person. And then he lifts up the person who is just vulnerable, honest, and real and weak and says, better to be like him. None of us are perfect. And then he says, hey, when you pray, don't be a hypocrite. You know, be real. Now, here is a real story. The mask is off. The heart is open. A real story of someone sharing their faith. Tracy was an amazing, amazing woman. She uh, was constantly giving, constantly doing things for other people. She was a bundle of energy. She was just going and moving uh, all the time. She was an amazing mother. She was an amazing wife. She was my best friend. She was my soulmate. Tracy started complaining of being tired, and Tracy was never tired. Uh, but she started saying, I'm just tired, Mark. I, I can't walk up the steps without having to sit down. So she went to see the oncologist and they uh, diagnosed Tracy with acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Tracy and I never said, why me? Uh, we just went into it knowing that um, it was in God's hands from the beginning. 
She was in the hospital for 30 days for that first uh, initial shot of chemo. She came out uh, for three days and then went back in for a second round of chemo. And at the end of the second round of chemo, she was actually free of her leukemia and went back in for a third round of chemo to make sure that her leukemia stayed in remission. Tracy went back in uh, the hospital to have her stem cell infusion, came home and was in recovery and was doing well. We, we at that point, assumed that she uh, was leukemia-free and was gaining strength. At about day 100 after her stem cell infusion, uh, she started cramping uh, very badly in her stomach and they finally readmitted Tracy to the hospital and told us that it was just gonna be a short stay she never came home. So it was eight, eight months of a really hard battle. When Tracy was going through her treatment, we interacted with a, a number of leukemia patients who were undergoing chemo and treatment and, and basically the same thing Tracy had been going through. There were so many people that we saw that were there by themselves. So obviously Tracy started thinking you know, we need to come up with something to try to help these people if we can, or what, what can we do? Tracy had a friend by the name of Shiloh Smaldon, who uh, works for a company called 31 Gifts, and they have this thing called a, a chemo tote. And Tracy and Shiloh wanted to do basically a fundraiser and then go down and, and distribute the tote bags to the patients in the hospital. Well, obviously, uh, that didn't work out. But Shiloh came to me after Tracy had passed and said, would you still like to do this? And I said, absolutely. Our original goal was to try to get 30 tote bags. We actually ended up getting 139 tote bags to be exact. We had all of the products that were, that were in the tote bags donated to us. And then the girls tied a little scripture note on each bag. And then each bag was dedicated to either Tracy or different people. And then Shiloh and I took the tote bags down and distributed them. But to go back and see the nurses that took care of her and hug them and, and talk to them and, and see the doctors again. Tracy was loved by everybody. I mean, Tracy made an impact on everybody's life that she touched. So to go back and, and to be able to hand them out and, and do that in her honor. And knowing that that's what she would want to do. Uh, it, it, like I said, it was, it was bittersweet. It was, it was nice and, and uh, it was hard, but <clears throat> I'll do it again. Let me tell you another story. I was at the hospital and I was visiting with a family. And um, this family had someone in the bed and they were in the last moments of their life. And it was in, if you've ever been in one of those moments, you know how tender a moment that is and how sacred it is. And I've learned in those moments to not say anything, but just to allow the presence of God to fill the silence with what God needs to bring. 
realizing that there may be something I can say or not say that's helpful. But sometimes it's just best to be there praying, supporting, loving. We'd been there for quite a while when um, I guess a chaplain from the hospital walked in. And I'm not saying this to disparage the chaplain anyway. You know, I'm grateful the chaplain came. But the chaplain walked in, and instead of just being silent, it was obvious the chaplain was uncomfortable with the moment because the chaplain just started talking. And the more he talked, the more agitated and irritated I became. He didn't really ask any questions about the family. He just began to say religious things. You know what I mean. You've heard those. You know, have you ever been around someone and you're in a tough spot, and they come up and they try to talk to you, and they, and they just say religious things, you know, like, like, like would fit on a bumper sticker, they, they quote a Bible verse, or something like that. And I remember thinking at the moment, I wish they would, this person would just be quiet. Just leave. Because it came across as insensitive, disrespectful, and just sort of emotionally, just kind of totally unaware. Let me ask you a question. If you were in the hospital room, and you were in such a moment in your life, who would you rather walk in the room with you? Mark Walling with his tote bag Or the chaplain with a cliche. We sometimes forget that the most effective messengers, or we don't know this, that the most effective messengers, the most effective messengers for our faith are real people who have walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Who don't pretend to have all the answers. We don't have everything locked up tight. Peter are just real. Who will stand with other people and who will say, you know, things didn't turn out the way I hoped they would turn out. But in the midst of everything I went through, I found a God of hope. I, I found a God of grace. That's who I found. That's what I found. And they're just real. They're vulnerable. They're real. Sometimes we think that if we're real and we share our struggles and our doubts, and our fears, and what we're going through, that it makes God look bad. Let me tell you something. If you are real, and you have a real conversation, and you just are normal, I mean, for Christ's sake, for the sake of Jesus, just be normal. When you reveal who you are, and you're real, the barriers come down between you and other people. They open up to you. But it does something else more powerful, is, is it reveals who he is. Because you're standing there, and you've got the strength and the courage to be there in the uncomfortable moment, maybe without all the answers. The reason that Jesus was so powerful was because he was real. He had tough conversations with people about matters of truth. 
He looked at a rich man and he said to the rich man, you know, you love your possessions more than you love God and in order to find God, you've got to let go of this stuff in order to find your real truth. On another occasion, he went to a well and he just exchanged in a conversation with a woman about drinking water. And the conversation water led to something eternal. You know, everybody's thirsty, so he's talking about being thirsty. He went to weddings. Spent time with families. You see, being honest about our struggles does not make Jesus look bad because what happens is the love of Jesus will come pouring out of the cracks when we're honest. So when he's talking here then about about fake and real, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about, about how much damage religious people can do when they're fake. When they're, when they're not real. Why, why, is it, why is it that when real people become religious, they get unreal? Why is that? If you were to ask a thousand people who have walked away from religion, all thousand will say the same thing. All thousand will say the reason we walked away from religion and from faith is because of fake people. They, they don't know it's fake. They just know it's not the real thing, and they don't want anything to do with it. And they'll cite examples, all kinds of, you know all the examples. You know, like I said earlier, the boss who is a strong believer but berates his employees. The religious person who has the affair and leaves his wife. You know, the televangelist that asks for your money and has the big hairdo and wears the makeup. They cite all these examples. That's what they talk about. What we have to do and the best thing that we can do is that we can just bring, you know, our real, real selves. So let me give you an example, okay? This is the what not to do example. So when I was, when I was in high school, I was really fired up about Jesus. And, and I'm still fired up about Jesus. I'm just more, a little more emotionally aware. I hope so anyway. And I went through this training called Evangelism Explosion. When I was in, you know, that doesn't even sound good, really. I mean, it sounds like we're going to go to somebody's house, teach them about Jesus, and blow them up real good, you know? So, but I was in high school, and the, guy, the, the idea of blowing stuff up sounded cool to me. So I went to this big sort of mega church and went to this training. And part of the training was that you would actually have hands-on experience sharing your faith. And so the, the people that would visit that church, they would be put on a list, and then we'd go call on them. They would send me out with a mentor, and I was a trainee, and I would give the speech. So part of the training for 10 weeks was to memorizing this whole speech. And so we were to memorize this whole, it was a script. It was just a script. It was a speech. It were Bible verses and a script and a bunch of questions and possible scenarios that would occur. So if they said this, you said this. If they said this, they said this. It was kind of like a sales pitch, you know. And so you were trying to persuade people. What I learned from that experience is that sharing your faith is not memorizing a script or a scales pitch. It's building a real relationship that has a real impact. But what would happen is we would go into these people's houses, and then I'd do the script. 
Now, I want you to imagine, I show up at your house, you're 45 years old, you've got three kids running around the house trying to get their homework done, you just cook supper, you're trying to clean up for supper, I've knocked on the door, and because, you know, you're polite, you let us in. Now, today you would see us coming and you wouldn't let us in, but we come in and, and, and you won't even give us your address anymore, okay? So, so we come barging your house like we're selling encyclopedias. We do this whole thing. We're not asking you any questions about who you are. We want to go from zero to 100 overnight. We want to quote the Bible to you. And we're not asking you to tell us about your kids. You're tired. You're hungry. All these things. You just probably showed up at church because, you know, there was some special music. And that it always ended the same way. The teacher would look at me and say, okay, time for the question. So I'd look at him and, I, and, and I'd ask this question. I did this several times. If you were to die tonight, geez, this is hopefulism. If you were to die tonight and you were to stand before God, why should I let you into heaven? Well, that's a really good question. It's a question about grace, and it's a good question, actually. But it's probably not the right question from a stranger. It's probably not the right question when you're worried about getting your kids off to school. And it's not a good question when you have no, that's the kind of question that comes in the context of a relationship. Now, I'm sure that this evangelism explosion had some impact. You know, God can work through anything and everyone. But it was not effective for me. I remember it was around that same time we had a guy named, by the name of Larry Green. I was convinced that Larry Green was going to hell. So I got all my born-again Bible friends together, and we got in a car. We drove over to his house. We knocked on his door, and he came out the door. We grabbed him, put him in the car, and drove him around for two hours until he got saved. <laughs> True. It's not effective. Today they call that kidnapping. It's not effective. Sharing, sharing your faith, sharing your faith is not memorizing a script or a sales pitch. Building real relationships will have the greatest impact. And that means that the best way to meet people where they are is for you to simply be who you are. Don't hide your personal struggles or your doubts or your fear. Now, let me say this. You know what they say about how misery loves company? Now, there's another side to this. The other side to this is all you do is talk about what makes you miserable. They talk about what makes them miserable. They say, I had this problem. You say, me too, me too, me too. And all you do is identify with what they're going through and you have nothing to offer. You've got to have something to offer. Because if you don't have anything to offer, you have nothing to offer. So, so I, I just got to ask you this question is do you have a real faith? That's a good question. Do you have something that you can share when a person's heart is open to you? Because if you just share your struggles with them and they share your struggles with you and they look at you and they go, okay, that's not a hopeful message. But it's true. It's just terrible. To be, it's, you know, you got to have something to share. You know where you get it from? Where you get it from is, is from just being real with God yourself. 
Jesus is saying, you don't have to pretend with me. You can be real with me about your life and your questions and your struggles, your doubts and your fears. Read Scripture. Read about what the Bible says about who God is. Look at the stories in there, and you'll see stories in there about, of imperfect people that God works through and how God was able to work through them. You know what Paul says in Romans chapter 7? Paul says, look, I've had a close encounter with Jesus, and I'm still not so great. He said, I'm preaching and teaching all this stuff, and I'm going around telling everybody what's going on, and yet I can't do the right thing. I try to do the right thing. I do the wrong thing. I try to do the right thing. I do the wrong thing. There's something wrong with me. He says, what am I going to do about this? He said, there's no hope for me. What a wretched man I am. And he says, there's no hope for me. What am I going to do? And he goes, Jesus Christ, that's who. And then he says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. He has a story. How does he have a story? Because he's real. The point is, if you will just open up your life to God, your everyday life, every part of your life to God, God will speak into your life and he'll give you a story to tell. So you don't, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. You just meet people where they are, ask questions, love people, and the questions will come. And the reality is, is that when you're real, you know what happens is you won't have to go looking for people. They'll come looking for you because you'll have something that they want. Joe Pusateri, God has called the ministry in our church, and I just heard him preach. And when he preached, he talked about being an alcoholic. And because he's honest about his alcoholism, he's been sober for a while, people come to him. He said that my shame is what kept me, as long as I, as long as I wouldn't tell my story, he said I lived with shame and I was a victim of my disease. But once I began to be open, I got healed and delivered. So he's down at the county jail. He's preaching. He's telling his story. And this guy walks up and says, in the county jail, he says, I want to get baptized. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want this Jesus that you have. And he's, Joey says, well, we'll make arrangements. He says, no, right now. So they went in the bathroom, put his head under the sink, and baptized him right there in the name of Jesus. Why? Because he was real. Okay, I'm going to give you this real quick. It's called uh, How to Get Over Being Fake. So, Paul, be real. Just suspend your judgments about people. Recognize and suspend your judgments. Don't form opinions. Express your thoughts and feelings and what you've experienced without creating resistance. That means don't... Don't be so obnoxious in your beliefs that you put up a wall with people. Just hold your beliefs gently. Ask questions. And then just listen. Can I tell you why this is so important? This is important for two reasons. What I'm talking about is important is because, because one, you need to share your faith. It was, it was given to you to share and there are people who need what you have. There are people all around you who need what you have. They need it. Here's the other reason. The other reason is, are you worried about the world we're living in? Yeah. This is a crazy, mixed up world we're living in. There's so much suffering. And it, you would think that as far as humanity has progressed with technology and science, that we would be getting along with each other even better, but we're not. 
And here's the problem. Reasonable people, reasonable people, we're not together. There's a lot of different ways to solve the problems that are going on in our world today. But we're so, we're so polarized, we can't talk about anything. I'm right, you're wrong. You're liberal, you're conservative. You're an atheist, you're, you know, just, you're a Muslim. You're all this division and the world's more polarizing. The only hope for addressing the violence and the suffering in our world is that people, good people from everywhere, from different points of view, start coming together to work together. Here's why this is important. That's not going to happen until people start taking off their mask and stop playing a game, stop being hypocrites. That means hiding behind a mask and start being real. That's what we have to offer. That as followers of Jesus, we're just called to be ourselves. And I think we have the opportunity to offer to the world a different way of being together. Just saying, you know what? God loves the world. God's in the world. Can we not just talk about things? We may not agree on everything, but can we just get real for a moment and just suspend judgment about one another? Because what happens is when we have real conversations, the walls come down. We no longer judge people by their stereotypes, by their disease, or by their sickness, or by their race, or by their gender, or by their religion. That's what Jesus does. Jesus disarms people. I just think, I just think that we have hope for a broken world. And for us to have hope for a broken world, we just need to be real. We need to be real and let people see Jesus shining through our cracks. As Paul said, God took his power and put it in earthen vessels. Let this be our guide, Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's people, meaning you have been chosen to be his messengers. Holy means you have been set apart and you are dearly loved. And because of the role you've been called to play in this world, would you wrap yourselves in compassion? Would you wrap yourselves in kindness? Would you wrap yourselves in humility? Would you wrap yourselves in gentleness? Would you wrap yourselves in patience? Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And above all these wonderful qualities and virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity.